welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. And we have nothing to talk about. We're not even going to try. There's no news. There's nothing happening. So we're just going to get straight on with the topic of our uh, podcast this week. Uh, we, I mean, we've got quite a job that we've got to do here, Dom. This is not going to be easy. So we're, we're trying to create the ultimate Sheffield Wednesday team of the 90s. Um, of course, very, very timely doing this, uh, the week of the anniversary of that uh, uh, that famous cup final of 1991. I dug out my photo album of when I was a very uh, young child and uh, and there at Wembley on the day, um, looking very innocent and uh, and whatnot and, um, and, and thinking how brilliant it is to be a Sheffield Wednesday fan and what a great choice in life I'd made. And um, the subsequent years really proved me wrong on that one. But um, uh, it is a time timely week to be um to be doing this but i think you think this is going to be easier than it is i do yeah well it's kind of hard to look past a lot of those great players that played in the early 90s and that team that in 91 has got promoted won the rumbelows cup and then two years on under trevor francis to play at Wembley four times in the space of what was it seven weeks get to two cup finals and you have got some of the most iconic players that have ever played for Sheffield Wednesday as part of those teams then yeah I do actually find it very hard to make a strong case for some of the players that came later on in the 90s Uh, but saying all that there have been some good players and also there were some very good players that did play, um, especially actually in the 96-97 season under David Plea, uh, I, I thought that, you know, that was, when, when you look back, um, that I, they certainly overachieved that year to finish seventh. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, there were some players who, well, we'll come to later. Don't want to give the game away just yet. But uh, again, I, I think from around this sort of 96 to 98 there are certainly um a few italians maybe another foreign player or two and a few other individuals that we could throw into the mix yeah absolutely absolutely um so we're going to start with goalkeeper and uh this really comes down to a short list of of two i mean there were three (laughs) goalkeepers who all had stints as number ones kind of noticeable goalkeepers who had stints of number ones in the um the 90s so i guess we've got to consider them all but spoiler alert here it's not going to be chris woods so that's going to leave us with two options um which is chris turner who of course was the keeper on cup final day 91 produced a stunning stunning save in the uh, second half of that game and Kevin Pressman who was Wednesday's number one for so much of the uh, 90s I mean arguably Wednesday's best ever servant when it comes to uh, goalkeeper I don't know actually there's a there's a there's a, a few more in, uh, in in years gone by um, but you know was uh, for years the number one um, so I, what are your thoughts on that very very tricky uh starting with chris turner like you say he'll always be remembered for the part he played in the wembley victory over united and that great second half save that you touched on from the brian mcclair header uh that actually i mean that just gets better i think actually with 
every replay and Chris Turner, the, the fact that Wednesday through and through went on also, as we know, to manage the team. We still know, I mean, he's got, you know, even speaking to him this week, like the, the, such, such a big affinity with Sheffield Wednesday. It's his club. But then, yeah, you're up against Kevin Pressman, who played nearly, what, 400 matches. Great shot stopper, Kevin Pressman. But I have to say, actually, when you actually go back over some of the goals over the years that Wednesday conceded in that period, he did not always cover himself in glory, it has to be said. I, I, I do look at it and think sometimes he did have a rick in him, did Kevin Pressman. But then also he was a match winner at the same time. Uh, I, but I think I would go on balance... I think for longevity, I think I would say Pressman, actually. There's there's two things that sway me in this. Number one is that absolutely Chris Turner was the number one on Cup Final Day in 91. Arguably, his best years came in the 80s rather than the 90s. So, um, you know, he was, I'm not going to say it was twilight of his career in um, in 91, but, you know, his, his time was coming to an end. And the other thing that swears me towards yeah. Kevin Pressman is uh, three words, penalty, shoot, out. And um, his uh, very famous uh, penalty that he scored um, which I, I'm convinced must hold some kind of record for the hardest a ball has ever been kicked. Um, so for those reasons, I would also go with Kevin Pressman. So we're in agreement on that one then. Um, yeah, we, so we can't Chris, argue Chris on that a massive one. role, but it's got to yeah. be. It's got to be. It's got to be the pie man. It has to be. Um, I'm, I'm, you, you refer to him as pie man. I'm glad I, I'm not going to insult him like that, James. I don't think he minds. Don't think he minds. It's hardly. I think, I think uh, he encouraged it. I think did he? Um, did he? Well, yeah. He was big boned, wasn't he, Kevin Pressman? Yeah, yeah, curvy. Um, <laughs> I, I think when you then move on to the defence, uh, it, well, let's start with a very easy one. The, the number two. That come on. Yep. There's that's there's no contest. The, the I'll hold it to the screen. My yeah. is the only one where I've, I've only got one name yeah. written down because there's no competition. Yeah. No um, right back position number two. Um, arguably Wednesday's best player of the nineties. Yeah. Arguably he's going to be up there or thereabouts for for Wednesday's best player of all time. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, um, Roland Nielsen. It's got to be on it. It's what a player, just so confident and comfortable on the ball going forward, uh, and he was great. And then defensively, as well, in one-on-one situation, really hard man to get past. Uh, he just had a bit of everything. One of the the best, uh, well, yeah, definitely the best foreign import that Wednesday have ever signed. I think that's without question isn't it really so uh, yeah I think we just have to swiftly move on from right back as uh, Rowley makes the team alright well let's let's go to the opposite side then let's look at uh, left back 
um, because actually, just before we do, can I just um, on the subject of Roland Nielsen, just to mention that cup final performance when he was up against Lee Sharp, who was the thing. You know, he was the the hot young thing that was on the football scene in the early nineties, uh, and uh, most people expected him to run rings around Roland Nielsen. Yeah. Nielsen did not put a foot wrong that afternoon. Can, can uh, right, I just okay, add? No, can I just add um, to that as well? I'm going to interrupt you before he goes left back, just to say that yes, Roland again when you watch that final back was magnificent on the day but then he was really helped by John Harks who actually you know th- them together I thought really nullified Lee Sharp and it, it's funny actually when you talk to all the ex-players that was a huge part of the game fa- game plan was nullifying Lee Sharp uh, basically stopping that supply getting to him uh, to then uh, you know, put the crosses in and for McClare and, and Hughes so yeah, that was word to treat, didn't it, for for Wednesday? I'm sure one of the players you've got on your list for left back has got to be Nigel Worthington. Of course it is, yeah. Um, so I've got, I mean, really, I, I think uh, there's probably two on the shortlist here. So I've got Nigel Worthington and I've got Phil King. And actually, right through the early 90s, it, it, there was always this, I wouldn't say it was uh, a competition but we were sort of spoiled for choice because they were both you know excellent excellent players uh, generally you end up with Phil King maybe playing that left back role and Nigel Worthington kind of playing a little bit further up the the pitch and that worked quite well but it was it was always a bit of a battle between the two of them I've, I've written down Andy Hinchcliffe as well um, I don't think he comes even close to be perfectly honest uh, but he was you know one of those players in the the latter years of the 90s that you know we probably still remember I, I don't think he was particularly spectacular for Wednesday, to be perfectly honest, uh, and certainly doesn't have even a, a patch on either um, no. Nigel Worthington or um, Phil King. Now, I'm a bit torn and, and, on this yeah. because... Mm. Um, I was going to say, Andy Hinchcliffe no, really divided Wednesday fans, but yeah, I, I, I know where you're going with torn on Phil King and Worthington. I think it's going to boil down to, isn't it, that uh, Phil King, such a big character... Uh, um, and a real valuable sort of member of that side in the early 90s, as was Nigel Worthington. But, yeah, really popular uh, in the dressing room. But I think if you ask Phil King himself that actually injuries let him down, I I think it's maybe stopped him from consistently uh, achieving and playing at, at the level that he would have wanted to at Wednesday. So for that reason, it's really hard for me to look past Worthington because the fact is as well, he's still the record, um, I think, appearance maker for Wednesday in terms of a man who's played for his country, what was it, 50 caps while he was at Wednesday for um, Northern Ireland, wasn't it? So um, just, uh, again, top pro. And re- really good fullback as well. So I, for me, it's Worthington. Yeah, as I was saying, it's it, I am torn because probably the same reasons that you said that. You know, Phil King 
we only kind of know all this in hindsight, but Phil King was, was in terms of his personality and his role within that squad, he was a massive, massive part of creating that spirit that ultimately made the, meant that Wednesday um, in the in the early 90s years kind of overachieved really to, to the sum of its parts. And it was partly down to the spirit of that team that managed them to, you know, to, to find that extra gear when they needed to. Um, and I think Phil King, even now, you know, I mean, I guess you've had dealings with him through the the media. Um, I remember him being at the um, the class of one ninety, uh, the class of ninety one reunion, which had been four years ago now, because that was for the twenty fifth anniversary. And he was like the life and soul of of, of that, um, and and did a, a podcast interview with him afterwards. Really, just solid guy. And I know that he's done so much involving Wednesday fans for like charity things and stuff like that as well. So I have this affinity towards Phil King got to judge this on football and in that sense it has to be Nigel Worthington who again was one of those didn't quite fall into the category of Roland Nielsen who I, I don't remember ever putting a foot wrong in a Wednesday shirt you know uh, yeah. Nigel Worthington did have the odd mistake in him but they were few and far between um, and he didn't try and do anything that he wasn't capable of he was a solid solid performer and um, yeah I mean what what we would give to have a Nigel Worthington in the the Wednesday team of of today, so yeah, yeah, we're got, in agreement on fullbacks. Yeah, we have. Uh, I'm going to quickly move on to uh, one of the centre back uh, positions. I'm assuming we're playing four four two, James. Unless you correct me. Yeah, it's a nineties team. It has to be. Yeah, cool. Centre back slot, first one, and he's my captain. Uh, it has to be Nigel Pearson. I'm, I'm afraid that one centre-back spot is gone. Um, captain fantastic, inspirational leader. Um, uh, the respects that he had in that, everyone had for him, the dressing room, they all looked up to him. Uh, he kept that dressing room in check. Uh, it's, Nigel Pearson has to be one of them. The other centre-back spot, I think, is going to be more debatable or it's going to be I think harder for us to maybe pick as there are a few candidates but Nigel Pearson for me has to be in there surely James I can't disagree with you on that at all um you know he was he, he was the, the the leader of that team in 91 excuse me and um you know he was as I look back and he was like the ultimate Wednesday captain. You know, he really was. Um, the other thing as well is that, you know, he scored a lot of goals. He popped up with a lot of important goals, particularly that, that 1990, 91 um, cup winning and promotion team. You know, you watch those games back and you watch the season highlights and he's popping up with those headers like nearly week after week. He's got a lot of goals um, in, in that team. So, yeah, all right. Um, we, we're agreed on that. So, Nigel Pearson is definitely going to be one of those. Now, I've got one, two, three, four, five other names written down. Oh, wow. I, I've got two, uh, and I'm sure right. they'll I think, be featured let, let me do two of mine first, because I think two of mine are yeah. kind of honourable mentions rather than anything else. One particularly is an honourable mention. So, honourable mention here for... Laurie Madden, who played a lot of games for, for Wednesday, also falls into that category. His better years were in the 80s, uh, and I didn't start following Wednesday until 1990, so I didn't see a lot of Laurie Madden. He, he'd kind of fallen out of favour there because one of the other players that we'll talk about in a minute had kind of taken his, his um, place in the team. But I remember him for... 
um, the League Cup final in injury time. He turned into the best winger that I've ever seen and carried the ball up the right wing. Um, and basically, you know, he won the cup for Wednesday in those closing seconds. I remember him for that, and he deserves an honourable mention. Brilliant servant to um, to the to the club. The other one is Emerson Tome, who came the, the other end of the nineties, and um, he was uh, on his day. He was an absolutely superb defender. He falls into that category of someone that was. He, he could be wobbly at times. He he would make the odd mistake. An absolute fan's favourite. Made such a good connection. I remember I, I, I used to sit on the cop in the days when Emerson Turn played. And when the fans sung his name, without fail, he would salute the fans back. He would acknowledge that they'd sung his name. Didn't, didn't matter wh- whether, you know, he'd obviously wait until the ball went out of play or whatever. He would always, always acknowledge um, the fans and he was so grateful for the fact that the fans had really taken to him and, and you know I remember him more for perhaps his his presence and his you know that affinity with the fans than necessarily his footballing ability but you know there's no doubt that he was a, a solid player he went on and obviously you know played for some quality teams very true uh, I've actually added some more names uh, while you were talking to my list oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you see you forget when you were mentioning Laurie Madden as well, see P- Peter Shirtliff was a top defender as well for Wednesday. Well, he's he's on um, my list. Yeah. Okay. Good. Glad we had that one boxed off. Just double checking. Um, o- only an honourable mention for this man. Um, again, another foreign player, but uh, Dejan Stevanovic, of where uh, he, he's not going to get close to the final eleven, but I, it, just in terms of. He was someone who came to the country, didn't speak any English, struggled initially to adapt. But when, if you actually go back and look at the 96-97 season, uh, he, alongside a certain Des Walker, who we will also, I'm sure, come on to discuss, uh, he, he really grew... Uh, as a player that season and Wednesday saw the best of him then. So I think Dejan Stevanovic, uh, for me, uh, is somebody that um, he would be in the conversation but doesn't make up the cut. Uh, And so that's where I am really with centre-halves. But Des Walker, what can you say about him? He, He actually came to Wednesday really needing to get his career back on track uh, as after kind of Italia 90, his form mm-hmm. performances dipped a little bit, didn't they? And, uh, and Wednesday signed him, of course, from Sam Doria, didn't they? And then just yeah. what a player he was for Wednesday. So for me, alongside Pearson, I would be going for Des Walker, well, I've, I've got I've got three other names on my list. You've touched on one of them, Peter Shirtliff, who I don't think makes the final cut. I've got to give him a mention. If we're going to praise Nigel Pearson for popping up with important goals, got to got to praise Peter Shirtliff for the same. You know, he was also Mister Consistent. He wasn't quite of that same standard, but an absolutely brilliant servant to the club, not just through the nineties, through the back end of the eighties as well. And um, two other players who I think at the side of Des Walker, these are going to be honourable mentions. But one who actually played alongside Walker for many years, Peter Atherton. Um, who uh, was, again, you know, a real solid, solid defender. He actually took the captaincy off Des Walker because that wasn't the kind of role that Des Walker played in that team. Peter Atherton was the leader of, um, of, of, of that team, kind of the, the, the kind of the mid 
early mid late mid sort of 90s um, period I mean the other and we talk about players popping up with important goals we've got to mention this guy Viv Anderson who um, used to score goals you know all over the place when you talk about big characters and big players in the dressing room they don't get much bigger than Viv Anderson you watch back those Wembley um, videos from 93 and you know it's Viv Anderson who's the centre of everything time and time and time again he's taking the mick out of everyone bags of experience and he brought all that you know he was a a European uh, cup winner and he brought all that to to Wednesday and you know what he was in that team in those years when we were back in Europe um, and an absolutely fantastic fantastic role Um, and, and he would probably come the closest for me actually in terms of um, if anyone was going to, you know, uh, rival um, Des Walker, but ultimately no one's. I mean, you know, you, you'll never get past Des Walker was the song, and, and no one's going to overtake him on this one either, because you know you've got in Nigel Pearson and Des Walker, th- there would be a central defensive partnership even even today that would grace uh, a top. Premier League team defenders, you know, defenders were different in those days. You know, they they were expected to carry the ball out. You know, they, it was a bit more uh, no nonsense. You know, I've I've never seen a defender who is as fast and yeah. as um, reliable as as Des Walker. And if if you put him in a team now and said, oh, you've got to play the ball out, he'd just do it. There'd be no qualms with that. He'd be fine with it. Um, same, you know, Nigel Pearson was a no nonsense defender, but that is such a good pair in those two. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I think they um, they, they complement each other so well, wouldn't they? Aggressive, commanding, uh, love it. Yeah, so that physical side of the game. Yeah, so and that back four, you just says wow, doesn't it? You do just. I I, I don't see uh, any weakness in that back four that we've we've chosen there, and I suppose it brings us neatly onto midfield and similar to the number two. The right-hand side is a bit of let's, a gimme, Let's do this it? first, because it's fairly straightforward, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Le Magician, uh, just unbelievable, wasn't he? he um, I, I'd love to have actually seen him live uh, at you know, the peak of his powers. Uh, Chris Waddle's a dribbler. Absolutely fantastic. The way he just turned full-backs inside out. And the, the vision as well, the, the end product, the decision-making, uh, he so often just got it right and spot on, didn't he? Um, and just very rarely gave the ball away cheaply uh, and scored that wonderful, wonderful free kick uh, against a certain uh, Sheffield United in the semi-final. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just a legend, absolute legend of the club. I mean, when I when I kind of sat down to do this, for me there were probably one, two, three, maybe four names that just went on the team sheet, and like they're just they're givens. They're just like they're not even worth debating. Chris Waddle obviously is is one of those. I mean, I feel really lucky to have seen him play in the um, in the nineties, um, and you know he was he was worth the ticket price on his own you know on on his day and he he was a player that would have quiet days there's no doubt about that he would drift in and out of games but when he wanted to it was almost like he'd just sort of think oh yeah I'm going to play for the next 10 minutes and that for 10 minutes he'd just rip a team to bits you know we all remember the Waddle game against West Ham sir 
Yeah, I was going to say, James, if you remember, I think in the 92-93 season, Waddle actually struggled in the first half of that season, as did the team, really. It took a while for them to uh, yeah. click into gear and get going. Uh, but oh, Waddle then went in, on that absolutely yeah. stunning run of um, Was it wins, seven or which, eight wins in a row or something? It was, it was yeah. a Premier League record for quite a few yeah. years. I guess it's not anymore, but, but yeah, it was, was for a long time. Yeah, no, it, it was a phenomenal run that they were on. And, uh, yeah, no, Waddle for the skill, that the moment moments of brilliance that he could provide. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, for a few years at Wednesday, uh, he really was, yeah, top class, wasn't he? he an amazing player uh, for Wednesday. They had him at a great time. And, yeah, what a piece of business that was by Trevor Francis to bring him to the football club. So that moves us to um, to the other side then, so the left wing, and I I think we're going to need to be a little bit creative here um, because I think there's probably one or two candidates that you say, well they they could they could easily play on the on the on the left wing. Um, so the name I've got down that's that's staring back at me is Benito Carboni. I think you want to do that just so you can shoehorn him into the team, James, don't you? I probably do, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. He, he did. He, yeah. he played on the left. You know, we we kind of yeah. think of him as a. He, he wasn't a traditional striker, mm-hmm. and in fact, you know, he, he was probably around before what the, the kind of the the time of football when it really would have been his heyday, where kind of you know playing players that kind of drop off and um, have a little bit of a free role didn't didn't really exist in the in the nineties. But um, yeah, I mean, who who else who else is there? Who else who else could we really seriously look at there? I, I can't really think of too many names as a natural left-sided player who really impressed over that decade. Uh, and you are right. You, you forget that Carboni, when David Pleat signed him, uh, especially in the first season, he, he was shoved out a bit to the left-hand side because they were accommodating him. And they were also, when David Hurst was fit, uh, and they'd signed Andy Booth. As well, so they were trying to trying to get them all into the team, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult one, um, and I do want to sort of argue with you over it, but I mean, my my lasting memory really of Carboni in a Wednesday shirt is that he he rarely scored a, a bad goal. They always seem to be spectacular yeah. and from outside the penalty area. Uh, and when you actually see some of the footage back, yeah, you can you can tell that that greediness is there sometimes, um, and that the, the, he overcomplicated when there was a simpler pass on, or he as he tried a shot when a player was in a better position, uh, and so you can see the how frustrating Carboni would be to play with. But then, yeah, you, you, you also see on, on those certain days when he turns it on that, uh, yeah, just what a fantastic talent he was. So, yeah, yeah I'm no gonna, doubt I'm, about that whatsoever. So we've got we've got Waddle on one wing. We've got Carboni on the other wing. Right now we've got two central uh, midfielders to pick. And I've, I've got a fairly juicy list here, to be honest. This, I don't think it's going to be particularly easy. Let me run through my list. I've got one, 
two, three. Well, I've got four players on my list, and there might be people that I've even forgotten about. So um, I've got, I mean, what can you say? John Sheridan, uh, an absolute magician with uh, uh, football. Um, I've got Danny Wilson, who was, you know, Mr. Consistent. He he wasn't spectacular as a footballer, but that wasn't what he did. Um, I've got Carlton Palmer, who was, you know, we kind of talk about Sam Hutchinson now in terms of a, you know, an enforcer. They don't, they just do not get better than Carlton Palmer. He was just, you know, the ultimate kind of midfield general, if you if you want. A name that we touched on earlier on as well. I've got John Harks written down, who, um, you know, his his impact was probably not as great as some of those other players that we've uh, mentioned but you know he came from nowhere no one really knew who he was we we're all like who's this Australian uh, this American guy that we've signed he's, he's probably not going to be very good um, he scored that stunning goal at, at Derby which everyone remembers of course he scored um, one of the goals in, in one of the cup finals of 93 as well he did pop up with a lot of important goals over the over the years some stunners um, and again he was one of those just you know a real consistent game in game out you know what you get from from John Harks who basically cost us nothing and he was he was superb so I mean they're my four we've got to whittle that down to two and I don't know if you have you got any have you got any more to throw in there uh, the only one that I wanted to give an honourable mention, but he would come nowhere near close to actually getting in our team, James, is Mark Pembridge for the way he turned his Wednesday career around. And he was another one who uh, the fans weren't convinced about. I think from 95, 96, he was another one who uh, didn't deliver that year. But then the year after, again, when you actually look back on his record um, and you see the highlights... I think in 30-odd matches for midfield, he, he contributed seven goals and he must have got half a dozen or so assists. So actually, he was a real big creative player in that Wednesday team uh, that made that flying start to the season and ended up finishing seventh and just sort of you know, ran out of steam a little bit under David Pleat. So I, I would only just have as a, a bit like Stavanovic for me. I just wanted to throw him into the mix just to say that Pembridge actually was, I think, an underrated player. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think that shortlist that you've got for the four are absolutely right. I think you, the one that has to be in there uh, and is... Is indistributable for me is John Sheridan. He has to be Agreed. just so classy on the ball, a brilliant playmaker from deep. We know that he was never blessed with pace, but again, the football intelligence, uh, his ability from set pieces uh, on the ball, he was the, the man who could orchestrate things for Wednesday. Uh, and I'm looking for balance in our final 11. And I'm wanting somebody who, from deep, is going to pull the strings. And that man has to be John Sheridan. So he uh, is in our team. And I'm delighted to say that he is. Uh, and we're just going to have to fight it uh, out over the final spot, I think, aren't we? It's a bit of a dilemma if we're looking for balance, really, because you're right, John Sheridan wasn't kind of like, you know, he wasn't a player that would kind of run at defences or anything um, like that and did tend to play a little bit from deep. The issue we've got is that, I mean, really, arguably, Danny Wilson and Carlton Palmer were, were similar players in that in that regard. You know, neither of them were 
hugely attacking. Carlton Palmer played central defence for quite a lot of his um, time with Wednesday in the in the nineties, and um, he popped up with goals. I remember him scoring a first half hat trick, which was very strange against um, QPR in the in the nineties. Danny Wilson, again, another player that scored a lot of important goals. I remember him scoring that one against Kaiserslautern at Hillsborough when we were in the, um, was it the UEFA Cup it was called back back yeah. then? Um, and, um, you know, I used to, I was sat on the, on the South Stand in what was like the family area when the South Stand wasn't in two tiers like it is now. It was just one, one stand. Um, and I remember being right up against the, the sort of the cop end of the, of the South Stand when Wilson, hit that and I mean that night was just electric against um, Kaiserslautern that was an amazing amazing moment of the 90s I wish I could have been a little bit older so I could have appreciated it a little bit a little bit more um, for me I can't really look past just because of, of of his time with Wednesday what he did again in terms of his influence on the team and the character that he was it's got to be Carlton Palmer for me yeah, it has to be. I'm in agreement with you that it's also the way that he dovetailed with Sheridan in that side that he would do the donkey work and he would do a lot of the stuff off the ball that wasn't necessarily John Sheridan's forte. And so he gave John Sheridan that license then to be able to dominate midfield or to play that killer pass into the strikers so yeah Carl Palmer um, is another for me that goes down as a Wednesday great hundreds of matches he played uh, for Wednesday and actually I think they probably sold him at the wrong time as well I think that he's someone that they should have hung on to longer um, in well, of course the he came back 90s. as well didn't he he did have a he did have a second stint with um, yeah. with with Wednesday. Yeah, he did. Just nowhere near as influential as first time around. Uh, but yeah, I, I again, I just for our midfield, it's a it's, it's a very strong looking side. There's no getting away from it. And I think up front we've got another one which is a bit of a formality in terms of yep. one of the spots, and then the other one, I think, is going to be the one that. Uh, where there's going to be a bit of discussion, isn't there? Well, th- this is why when you kind of said, oh, it's quite straightforward, this, it won't be particularly difficult. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite easy in terms of the fact that um, every single day of the week, doesn't matter what you, you know, if you're doing best team of the 90s, best team of all time, whatever it is, whatever Wednesday team you're doing, David Hurst is in it. And that's just, it's absolute given. There's no doubt about that. Um, the the I, I would still class him as being the best Sheffield Wednesday player that I've ever seen. Uh, an amazing, uh, just yeah. stunning striker. Scored some fantastic goals, consistently scored goals. And, you know, Will, uh, I know in, in yeah. recent years that maybe his connection with the, the club's not being viewed quite as positively, but, you know, for me, will always be a Wednesday legend. So, David Hurst is, do, is, do you is know there with well, those Jay? other three first names yeah. on the team sheet. Yeah. Travesty that he did not play more for England than what he did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah... I tell you what, he had everything, didn't he? In his pomp, David Hurst, um, he was deceptively quick, powerful, uh, he left foot, he, but he could score with both feet. Um, and he scored all types of goals. And what was it for Wednesday? 160 plus or something like that. And frankly, if it hadn't been for injuries, uh, he would have gone on to have done even more. 
and um, so yeah, D- David Hurst, absolutely superb. So yeah, without a doubt, David Hurst is is there. So that leaves me with oh crikey, one, two, three, four, well five other names that I've got written down and i've had to be a little bit strict with myself here um and every single one of these is absolutely worthy of a place in this team so i'm gonna get one out of the way now which i'm gonna have to put down as being an honorable mention because i don't think he quite lives up to the standard of some of the others but what a player so paul williams David Hurst's strike partner in the very early uh, 90s, of course, his strike partner on the day of the cup final in 91. Um, scored some great goals, but, I mean, just such a hard-working, genuine player, brilliant pace, very skillful, um, incredibly underrated, I think. And, um, yeah. you know, he... he he's probably not going to get in anyone's ultimate team of the 90s because the players that came after him probably overshadowed him. But still, you know, would be, if this was a squad of the 90s that we were doing, you would have Paul Williams on the bench all day long. Amazing player. 100%. Yeah, and it's funny, actually, when you talk to David Hurst as well about Willow, the the contribution uh, that Williams made to... Hurst, he created the space so often, and, and similar really to Palmer with Sheridan in that partnership. Yeah, it, Williams was the unsung hero, uh, and it, he was the one who he wouldn't get the limelight necessarily because he didn't score as many goals as what David Hurst did. But again, he played such a big part and role in what David Hurst went on to to do with Wednesday. So, yeah, absolutely 100% right that he's in the conversation, but I'm in agreement with you that uh, I don't think he makes the final 11. Um, probably another player then that, that we're going to put in that category of honourable mention here, who's actually, in terms of his goal-scoring record for Wednesday, wasn't particularly stunning, but I don't think we can talk about you know, strikers and the impact that they had and and, and ultimately their role within the club without mentioning Trevor Francis. He didn't score all that many goals for Wednesday. I think it was I think it was in single figures altogether the number of goals that he uh, that he scored. A lot of them were off the bench and a lot of them were quite important. Of course he went on to manage the team. Didn't end particularly brilliantly. Um and you know there, there's a lot of question marks there. I, I have major doubts about the way that he went about some of the things that he did towards the you know the kind of the latter end of his time as as Wednesday manager. But you know very much Worthy of, you know, he was the first million pound player in the country. You know, we've got it. We, we've got to give him a mention, haven't we? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think he's he's one of those where, yeah, Trevor Francis was great in and around the squad. wasn't necessarily always an automatic pick, but uh, yeah, no, he he's certainly, um, a, yeah, in in the early nineties. Yeah, his arrival. Uh, I think that was. Um, so yeah, maybe a little bit sort of symbolic, really, of Wednesday. You could tell that Wednesday were going to have uh, you know, two or three years where they were seriously challenging for the league, getting to cup finals, winning the league cup, and so yeah, I, I think that uh, you're right though that he, he he would miss out, but in our if it was a squad, oh, he'd, he'd certainly be there, definitely. 
So that leaves three names on my list. So I'm, I'm going to give you these three names and then let you kind of play around with them and, and debate them as, as you see fit first. So, I mean, these are quality, quality strikers that we've got here. So I know exactly who they're going to be as well because they'll be the same that I've got on mine. That you've got down. Of course they will be. So I've got Paul Warhurst, yep. Mark Bright, yep. Paolo Di Canio. Yep. Uh, and I do think that's the right three, as in that we should be talking about uh, in terms of that the striking position, the guy to partner David Hurst. Unless, and this is just me putting it out there now, do we want to controversially say, if you're wanting to try and shoehorn somebody in, do we say that Di Canio is between him and Carboni? for a place on the left-hand side. Now, I know he wouldn't play there very often for Wednesday and was more of a striker, but he has done, he, or he did do in his career, he would play there. I don't, for, for me, in that position, I would rather play Carboni regardless, to be honest. Okay. You're going to stick to your guns on that? That's fine. But yeah. actually, but when you look at it, Di Canio, was it 97, 98? top scorer for Wednesday and um, was fantastic that year. Um, Incredible. We all know what happened the following year. He should have played, had it not been for that, I'm sure he would have played loads of more matches for Wednesday, probably would have finished top scorer again. Uh, I I think for the the way that, in, yeah, in, in a lot of people's eyes, he tarnished his reputation with that through the Arsenal game and how it ended the eleven match ban. The fact he never played for Wednesday. Again. I don't think you can put him in the team uh, ahead of the two other names that you've put on your list. I, I think I find this really tough. Uh, we all know how good a player Mark Bright was for Wednesday. He of course scored that magical winner against United in the semi-finals. So, for that reason, he'll always be regarded as a Wednesday legend. Uh, but, yeah, his goal-scoring record, it, it speaks volumes. It's there for everybody to see. But then I love, I absolutely love the Paul Warhurst story. It's it's just mental, isn't it, really? That converted from a centre-back into a striker and he stepped up as a striker when Wednesday they needed somebody in 92-93 to do the business because David Hurst was having his injury problems uh, and he was an absolute powerhouse I, I love watching David uh, Paul Warhurst in that position um, but can you just base it on that year I, I, I don't know um, and also I mean the other thing to mention off the back of that is that Wednesday made incredible money out of Paul Warhurst you know, what was it 2.75 million I think it was that they, they ended up selling him to to Blackburn for but uh, what a master stroke it was moving him to centre forward uh, and scored again another one who just scored all types of goals Um so I find it really difficult. I find this one actually for me. This is the hardest choosing between this is him and Mark really, Bright. Really, really, really tough because you're right in terms of the fact that Paul Warhurst ultimately only really had one fantastic, you know, standout season. But what a standout season it was! And you, you know, you watch those 
videos back, you know, the goals that he scored in the cup runs, um, those two goals that he scored at Blackburn away in the semi-final of what was then the Coca-Cola Cup in 93. Um, mm. And, you know, the, neither of them would win goal of the season, but, you know, they were representative of that amazing period of football in that first half of that game at Blackburn, which I, I've never really seen anything like that before or after. That was absolutely yeah. stunning against the, the, the champions of England at the time. Um, so uh, the, the memories I have of Paul Warhurst in that season are exquisite. They are brilliant. Over a, a longer period of time, Mark Bright was the more consistent player. He would score, you know, important goals time and time again. And the thing that sways me a little bit here, just a bit, is that, you know, we're talking about balance. And, you know, we, we know, and you can see with the kind of players that they are, that a combination of Hurst and Bright, they complement each other really well. Um, you know, they're, they're, they, they were both good with their feet and good in the air but you know you've got one that was slightly better at one thing and one that was slightly better at the other they just worked really really well together I don't remember a period you know at any point thinking oh Hurst and Warhurst that's you know a great combination they were both great players but would would, would they were they a bit similar in terms of being quite pacey and great on the floor and stuff so I lean towards Hurst and Bright being my final two I think most people listening to this, James, would think that off the back of the one great season that Warhurst had, that, uh, yeah, it, it would be wrong to put Warhurst, I think, in the team ahead of Mark Bright and what he did for, for Sheffield Wednesday. And like you say, the partnership that he formed with David Hurst. So I, I think you're right. And I think that that is probably going to, that's the correct decision. And I suppose then that that just brings us on to, um, again, maybe very easy subject, really, but the manager of this team well, from the decade. I, I mean, it's, it, it, it is, it's incredibly easy. I mean, there were, you think about the other managers that were there. I mean, Trevor Francis led Wednesday to cup finals, led Wednesday yeah. into uh, Europe, um, and that's no small feat. But I, I do think it went it went sour, um, and you know there were there were question marks of the way that he approached certain things. You know, some of the mm. man management I think was a was a little bit lacking. Was kind of the yeah. impression that that I got from Trevor Francis, mm. um, and then you've got what David Pleat, Danny Wilson. Paul Jewell was in there as well and a few other kind of names that you sort of forget about. But, you know, there is only one. You know, he is he is the boss. And, you know, I know his career for a few reasons has probably turned a little bit sour in recent years. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I will I will love and adore forever. And there was a there was a period of time when he was, you know, top of my most hated list for obvious reasons. Um and it took, you know, a long time to recover from that. I, I think he yeah, I think he made me cry. I seem to remember crying about him leaving the club in the nineties. But um, you know, the the ultimate manager, it's Ron Atkinson. Of course it is. It does have to be. Do you know what I uh sort of gets to me sometimes is that I think there are there are Wednesday nights out there who do forget that he 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 took Wednesday down. Uh, I know that was actually classed as the eighty nine ninety season, but yeah, I, okay, fair enough. 
great. They're him. And he kept the majority of that team together. And then they bounced back at the first attempt, went on to win the League Cup. So, yeah, uh, of course, I'm with you, though, that uh, in many Wednesday fans' eyes, there's still people out there now talking about it of where they will never forgive him for the way that he left. And, OK, he came back years later to almost sort of make, you know, make amends. Uh, but yes, yeah, similar to Trevor Francis, uh, in that um, I think there were certainly mistakes made, maybe on both both sides there. Uh, certainly the way that Ron Atkinson handled his exit. Um, so, but in, yeah, in terms of the ultimate achievement, let's let's put it in context. Uh, I, I don't think you know another second division team, which is what Wednesday were, um, winning the League Cup. That's not been done since. It's 30 years on that. Uh, and Wednesday's first major trophy, what was it, in 55 years? So, and he and he was responsible for bringing in a lot of the great players of that era. So, you, yeah, it's it's got to be big wrong. But, yeah, I, I don't think that... Oh, they were completely different characters, weren't they? Ron Atkinson and Trevor Francis. Big wrong charisma, whereas I think the man management side, you're right. I think that the, the certainly some of the old players that I speak to now say that Trevor Francis is certainly nowhere near as good in that department as what Ron Atkinson was. Uh, but you can't take it away that that's, that's still, again, some... Good going that from Trevor Francis to take that team to two cup finals in a season uh, and to come so close to silverware. So he almost wrote his name in Wednesday folklore on the managerial side for that. But it it has to be a big run leading our team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he was the ultimate boss. He really was. So there we go. Then we've got Ron Atkinson in the um, in the dugout. Uh, we've got Kevin Pressman. Uh, we've got a back four of Roland Nielsen, uh, Des Walker, Nigel Pearson and Nigel Worthington. We've got a midfield of Chris Waddle, John Sheridan, Carlton Palmer, Benny Carboni and a front two of David Hurst and Mark Bright. It's not a bad team, that, mate. Not a bad it's team. Not, do you know what? The only position I'm not happy with is left wing. Uh, <laughs> but I, I always knew from the outset, as soon as we decided this was what we we're going to do this week, that you would want one of those Italians in our team. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want, um, you can put Andy Sinton in if you want. Uh, I'm all right, actually, mate. I'm all right. <laughs> That's what we should do next week: is biggest flops of the nineties, and then uh, we can uh, we can oh. drag Andy Sinton back out of the woodwork. So wow. I mean, yeah, I think it, I, it's fair. But you know, Benny Carboni was was superb. He really was superb. Um, so I still think but, that's a pretty but, good team. That. But can I not just say this? Is there not an asterisk against Carboni's name for the fact that he? Similar to what we've seen in the last few years with a certain Fernando Forestieri, Carboni refused to play at Southampton and he walked out on the team. So, does that not maybe we're, we're looking at characters but, for our team here? Does that not let? Yeah, does that? Not, 
I'm I'm going to blame it on the manager of the time uh, that it was it was his fault. If I if if we can forgive Big Ron for uh, quitting, then changed his mind, and then changed his mind again and still quitting, um, then we've got to forgive Benny Carboni, who you know up till that point he'd been a great servant. Ah, do you know what? As part of me, I'm umming and ahhing it now. I am thinking I'd rather have John Harks in there, to be honest with you. The fact that John Harks what, playing, turned it playing on, on the, the big occasion. Yeah, John, John Harks uh, for scoring at Wembley, uh, an assist at Wembley as well, uh, in another appearance. That was a, again, great header down for Hursty's goal in the uh, first FA Cup final clash with Arsenal so uh, as a cult hero I almost want John Harks in there now I, I I can see where you're going with it and I in a lot of ways I agree with you I think John Harks was was just a really consistent performer Benny Carboni do something you know he could create something very very similar i mean you know we talked a bit about the the temperament of those two italians and you know the comparisons with someone like fernando forestieri and the team of today are, are quite striking really um but it, it comes down to that sort of question of you know do we alongside those players you know we've got john sheridan we've got carlton palmer in midfield who you know are solid players but neither of them are, are, are going to kind of run at a defense and cut them to bits maybe that's where you know carboni kind of really comes into his own that he can you know he can do that oh, you've made your case and actually for once james it's quite persuasive uh, and he would give us something different in our midfield. So we'll stick with Carboni. Come on, Waddle on one wing, Carboni on the other wing. That's there's going to be goals. Tasty. This team is going to score goals. It is. It's tasty. It's a tasty one. So there we go. That is our team of the nineties. Then that's um, yeah. That's that's pretty good. I'm impressed with that. Yeah, I think very fine work. I think uh, I'm. Uh, very happy, and I tell you what: if that team had actually uh, played uh, at the same time together, wow, just wow! And with Big Ron leading it, oh, trophies galore. Yeah, it would be trophies galore. It really would. That would be uh, a team that would, you know, grace grace any year of the Premier League. It really, really would. That's just it's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, right. Okay. Well, that's going to pretty much then uh, wrap us up then for um, another week. Uh, you can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott. You can contact the show at Dom and James. Uh, thank you for uh, the suggestions that we've had about kind of ideas of things that we could do on the uh, on the show. We do read them all and we have kind of used one or two of them to help us kind of shape a few ideas. We've had a couple of people that have suggested doing something kind of 90s based, uh, which has led us to, um, to what we're doing today. So please do keep those ideas coming. Uh, thank you as well to our gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find on Twitter at Taito Law or at Taito Law co.uk uh, thank you for joining us if you like singing the blues please rate and review the show in your podcast app of choice up the owls and we'll see you next week 